Amen. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad to be about anywhere at my age. <laughs> I've joined a senior adult class, and I thank you for letting them for letting me in. If you have your copy of the Word of God, turn with me to the book of the Revelation, the last book in the Bible, chapter 3, beginning in verse number 7 through verse number 13. <clears throat> We'll be taking our text from there. Story I'd like to tell you. Uh, we, have, we have young staff around here, and I appreciate them, Cody, and, and then Chris, and then Micah. There was a funeral that was taking place up in Blunt County, and Zach couldn't go, and they were called to go. and They got in there. Zach, uh, Luke's truck headed off up there, got lost little bitty small church and they wound around for hours and hours and finally came up on this church and there was some fresh dirt there. Families were all gone. A couple of guys sitting next to a back hole just eating and chewing on their sandwiches and they jumped out and said, hey, can we preach and pray? Yeah, go ahead. And so Cody prayed and Micah strummed on his guitar, I'll fly away. And Luke preached preached 23rd Psalm, preached 24th Psalm, preached 25th Psalm, and finally he prayed, and they got back in their truck and just left. I said, there, he's still chewing on his sandwich. And he said, well, that's a first. He said, I never knew you had to do that to put in a septic tank. <laughs> <clears throat> That didn't really happen. <laughs> One of the most exciting and enlightening books of the Bible is the book of the Revelation. It's the last book in the Bible. Of course, you know it's apocalyptic style. Its hidden mysteries have captured the attention of both the saved and the unsaved alike. The things that were, the things that are, and the things that shall be outline those 22 chapters as it focuses upon the unveiling of Jesus Christ and the events of world history, especially those things of the future. In 2019, across the Southern Baptist Convention, there was a January Bible study that focused upon the first three chapters of the book of Revelation in those seven churches. And one of those churches is the Church of Philadelphia. And there is an interesting statement that it, that it is made. And I studied about this church, and uh, there is an interesting promise that is given to the Church of Philadelphia. I'm going to read about this church. I'm going to point out this promise. Then I'm going to make a few remarks and pray that it is going to guide us into a bright and promising future here at Enon as we touch the surrounding communities. This is how... John wrote it down in Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 through 13. It said to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, These things says, He who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength. I have kept my word, and have not denied my name. 
Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say there are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and know that you, that I have loved you. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to, te to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down of out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Join me in prayer, if you will. Father, thank you so much for the blessings that you give to us. And Father, thank you so much that we can enter into a time of worship as we read and study the Word of God. Father, take away from us any anxiety of spirit. Father, any nervousness. Lord, that we can proclaim what the Spirit of God has given to us today. Lord, it might speak to every heart that is in this room. Lord, you might touch our minds, you might touch our ears, you might touch our hearts. Lord, that we can receive all that you have for us, that we could leave this place. Lord, that we'll be altered, that we'll be changed. Different than when we came better and closer to Jesus, and we'll praise you for that. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Before reading the text, I had mentioned that there was a promise in this text. <clears throat> and because I believe that you're very astute and very observant, I'm sure you noticed that this promise was concerning an open door. Where in verse number 8, Jesus said, I have set before you an open door. And no one can shut it. So today I want to speak to you about how we can make the most of God's open door. This is one of those how-to texts that we find in the Bible. And when you ask the question, how do we make the most of God's open door? You can just look in the text and, and they become very obvious to me. To them, and you may notice them. And so my desire is, is to point them out to you. But so much more than that, they're modeled day by day and week by week and year by year, and even down through the centuries by our senior adults. And what this text is telling us at large, as students and young adults, that they have been modeled down through the years by senior adults. You don't just see the text, you can see them in the senior adults. As you look at the text, you can see live and in living color down through the ages of church history. Senior adults who are living that out day by day by day and people that are here in this congregation and others that you hear about making the most of God's open door. You do that when, like seeing your adults, you keep your focus on the person of God. 
You notice in verse number eight, Jesus said, I, Jesus himself, have set before you an open door. You understand that Jesus is the doorman. He is in control of the door. Sometimes we get negative in our churches and we concentrate on other things, especially when things go wrong. Sometimes we just like to blame the pastor. He's the easy guy. He's the one we, we like to shoot at when, when things go wrong. He's like the coach on the baseball team and the catcher leaves his glove at home. The third baseman doesn't show up. The right fielder is 30 minutes late because he overslept and the second baseman has forgotten his glasses and he can't hem up a hog in the ditch. And when they lose 21 to nothing, they decided that they need to change coaches. Well, you understand that sometimes it's like that in the church when you get no support from the congregation. We just blame the pastor. Sometimes it's problems in the church. Every church has them. And if you find a church that doesn't have any problems, then don't join it because you're going to mess it all up. <laughs> we have them in our families. We have them in our work. We have them at the grocery store. We have them in our country. Problems are prevalent as long as we have people. And churches are in the people business. And every church has people problems. And every the church has problems because they have people. And I've said often that pastoring churches wouldn't be any problem if it wasn't for the people. But if it wasn't for the people, we wouldn't have any churches at all. If you get rid of the problems, you've gotten rid of the people and you've gotten rid of the church. It's like saying that hospitals don't want sick people and fitness centers don't want fat people and schools don't want ignorant people. I hear people say, well, we don't want babies crying in the auditorium. Listen, I, I, I'd be satisfied in some of the places where I've been where I'd love to have 20 babies crying in the auditorium because they don't have 20 people anywhere, adults or anybody in that auditorium. I preached at a place where nine was the total that they had, and I was the interim pastor there. I feel, felt so good. I learned their names in one, one week who, who they were. And sometimes they blame it on politics, politics in the church, politics in Washington, politics in Alabama. Listen, I'll be glad when this vote day is over because they convince me there's nobody worth voting for with all the slogans that are going on. But not only when things have gone wrong, but when things go right, we tend to focus on all of the presentations, on all of the programs and all of the productions and all of the paradigms and all of the personalities. Listen, you get all of this stuff in the mail as pastors do about how you are to do all of the things that need to be done. Listen, they can crank out more information than you can ever imagine. When things are going good, what's wrong with just saying that Jesus is in the house and that Jesus is doing something? Jesus said, I have set before you an open door. Notice something that, about his doors. That the door that Jesus opens might be open a little wider for some than it is for others. And it might be open just a little bit longer for Zach than it is for me. I understand that, that the light's going down in my life according to the way things go. And maybe it is for you as well. But we understand that there is a door that is open for us 
and that Jesus has opened that door and that he and he alone, he says that he opens doors and he says that no one can shut it because he is the doorman and he is in charge of the door. You understand that, that the book is all about the unveiling of Jesus Christ and that he is the one that is in charge and that he is the one that is in control. And you have to love to be a member of, of that church at Philadelphia because he is the doorman and they kept their focus upon him. And, and he was doing right by that church and he had nothing bad to say about it. And we'd love to be a part of a church of an open door. And that's what this church is. It is a church that has opened its doors and say, y'all come and be a part of this church. And if you don't have a church home anywhere, listen, your church for a search for a church is over. You're here and you can become a part of it. And this is what senior adults have done through the ages. They have kept their, fur, their focus on his person. In addition to that, like senior adults, you keep his, your focus on his power. Three things in this, this text that, that God said that he's given to the church of the open door. He said, I've given it a little strength. The word strength is dynamite. You don't have to have a, lo a lot of dynamite to get a job done. Song that we used to sing, little as much if God is in it, labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it if you go in Jesus' name. You understand that you don't have to have a whole lot. If you just got a couple of loaves and two little fishes, that's, that's about all you need. If you go in Jesus' name, you understand it's the little thing that God can use and, and you can go and, and do it. You understand that he is the one that has the strength. I put a little verse on the top of this that I use many times when I go and preach. When I feel just so inadequate and, and I am just so nervous about being here. And I was that way this morning. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 4, where Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, he said, And my speech and my preaching were not the persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and power. That's what Paul said. A God that could raise people from the dead and could pray stars down from heaven. He said, when I came to you, it wasn't my speech and my preaching. They weren't persuasive words of wisdom. It was just the power and the demonstration of the Spirit of God. Listen, that's what these people had. They, they had the dynamite of God that was on their side. They had the power of God on their side. They had the strength of God. And he said that was a little strength, and that's all that they needed. Several years ago, a fellow bought him a Rolls Royce automobile, you know, one of them fancy things. It was a gas burner, by the way. <clears throat> and he got to looking at it and to look through his handbook and it didn't tell him how many horsepower it had. So he wrote Rolls Royce and asked them how many horsepower that his car had. And Rolls Royce wrote him back and said, we don't release that information. So he sued Rolls Royce. You know, the word of today is not I'll see you later, it's I'll sue you later. And so he sued him, took him to court, and the court ruled in his favor and said, Rolls-Royce, you have to tell them how much horsepower that car has. 
And so a few days later, the man got a letter in the mail from Rolls-Royce. He couldn't wait till he opened it up. He was going to find out how many horsepower his car had. It had one word printed on the page, adequate. <laughs> Listen, that's how much power we have. For every job that God has given to us, we have adequate strength. We have adequate power to do what God has told us to do. Not only do you notice that they had the power to do his word, but you notice that the Bible said that they had kept his word. They had kept the scriptures. Jesus said in the text, you have kept my word. They have stayed with the book. The churches of the open door today are those that preach out of the book. Those that have preached the word of God. Those that still believe that we have an inspired, infallible, inerrant word of God. That you can believe it from Genesis all the way to maps. That you can take the word of God and that you can preach it as the infallible truth of the word of God. It is inerrant without any mixture of error whatsoever. And you can declare it if God told you the truth in John 3.16. He told you the truth in Genesis 1.1. You can trust it. You can believe it. You can put your faith in it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. These people that in the midst of an ever-changing culture, the tearing down of traditional moorings with the influence of political pressure, with Hollywood, with the new morality, with wokeness, with cancel culture, with liberal theology, Senior saints have, down through the ages, have stuck with the book. They've stayed in the old paths. Your preacher believes in the Bible. He still sings the Bible. The B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. I'll stand upon the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. Isaiah 5, verse number 20 says, Woe unto those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Jesus warned and John wrote about churches, some of these seven churches that he writes about, who'd already become so open-minded and liberal that their brains have fallen out. The only things we're liberal about is generosity and giving. You understand that not every church is like this church. Not every church believes like this church. Not every television program that you turn on is like this church. You can find that there are those that are packed out and they got civic centers and they got auditoriums full. And yet not one time do they ever mention the name Jesus. Not ever one time do they ever talk about sin or needing to be saved. Not one time... Do, do they ever talk about the fact that there is a heaven or there is a hell? They just talk about how you can make it better in life. Well, you won't make it any better in life if you pass out of this life without knowing Jesus as your personal Savior. You're, you're, you're just a, a, a folly. You're just a fool. You went through life and you climbed a ladder and it was leaning against the wrong wall. Listen, you can be like the fly that can see all that multitude that is hanging around there who's flying and he's buzzing around and he finally he noticed a big crowd and he says, I think I'll join that bunch and he flies down there and he finds out it's flypaper. You'll get stuck on it. 
Listen, not every church is a church of an open door. Not everyone that has a cross on it is preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus warned and John wrote about these churches that were like that. And then John wrote and says, you have not denied my name. Jesus is the source of that power. The name of Jesus is how we pray. The name of Jesus is how we preach. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's healing in the name of Jesus. There's faith in the name of Jesus. He's the one that does it. It's not all. You understand that when we say in Romans chapter 10, if thou shalt call on the name of the Lord Jesus, thou shalt be saved. That's in the book of Romans. When Caesar Augustus became the, the prominent Roman general, excuse me, when Julius became the prominent Caesar and then Augustus, his son, followed him, that they looked at them and said, hey, these, these guys are like God. And then they said, these guys are God. And they should be worshipped as God. And all of those that came down through the lineage after that were worshipped as God. They were like Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel where in chapter 3 that, that he built a big idol out of, out of gold and said, hey, listen, we're going to play some music and all you folks got to bow down and worship it. And it was an image of Nebuchadnezzar. They said Nebuchadnezzar is God and he is to be worshipped as God. Well, they said the Caesars were God. And they would have a, a fire and, and they would get a little pinch of incense and they would come and they would say two little words. They would say, Kaiser Curios, Caesar is Lord. And if they would do that, they would get a little certificate that would say they would be safe to live in the kingdom of Rome. And everybody did that except the Christians. And the Christians would say, Jesus, Kurios, Jesus is Lord. And they would be safe to live in the kingdom of God. You see, there's a difference, and that is the reason that Paul wrote, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you would be saved, and you would be safe to live in God's kingdom. And if you never said that, if you never called on the name of the Lord, believing that he is God, then you can do that today. These people in the first century church and at the time of the writing endured the persecutions, the slavery, the death, the hatred, the illegal religions, the martyrdom, and the midst of all of that, People were still trusting Christ as their Savior. They didn't complain, and they continued just like precious senior saints of today are doing. Down through the ages, we still have saints that will rise and testify to the goodness and to the greatness of God and have not denied his name and are still here with us. And if you read church history, you will find out those that did that and are still doing it. You'll find that senior saints keep their focus on God's promises. That's number three. Because you have kept my command to persevere. God had commanded them 
You persevere. That means three things. First of all, that, that you hold up under pressure. There was a pressure in that first day to knuckle under all of the pressure that, it, that, that came. The word persevere it, it is a word that, that had to do with the weight or a stone. It was actually Philipsis that had to do with the, with the grinding at the mill where, where the top stone was called the Philipsis stone. And, and it ground uh, the, the wheat and, and the corn until it would come out as, as grits or flour, and it would go round and round and round, and it ground it. You've probably seen that up at Pigeon Forge or Dollywood or someplace like that. And you were seeing where they would pour, pour in the corn or the wheat, and it would just keep grinding it and grinding it and grinding it. And the word is being used that, that in the midst of all of this great pressure to conform or to be molded or to be shaped like the world, you continue to hold up. You're bombarded, you're indoctrinated by TV and movies and advertisement, by peer pressure and educational system and, and the news media. And they're telling you how to think. They're telling you what to think. They're telling you what to believe. They're telling you how to act. It comes in, just, you just cannot imagine. And that's the reason that, that, that commercials will cost you a million dollars for 30 seconds for the Super Bowl because they know how important it is to advertise something where they have a media outlet like that because they understand if they kept advertising Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola down the sidelines that when you pull into a service station and you're thirsty, they know your first thought will be Coca-Cola. And if they keep telling you over and over and over again about the things of the world, that you'll eventually listen to them. But you'll never soar with the eagles if you keep listening to the turkeys as they talk to you about Christianity. Not only do you hold up, but the Bible says to hold fast to that which you have, that no one takes your crown, that you do not budge from what you believe, that you just hold fast to those cardinal doctrines that you have received in the word of God. There was an old preacher. He said, I'm going to fight the devil as long as I have a fist. I'll punch him as long as I have a foot. I'm going to kick him. And as long as I have teeth, I'm going to bite him. And when I don't have teeth anymore, I'm going to gum him to death. Now, some of you old people know what I'm talking about. Be like the three Hebrew children that don't bow, don't budge, don't burn. And then last he said, you need to hold on. I am coming quickly, he said. The greatest event in human history is yet to come when Jesus is going to come again. When Peter was writing his epistle, they were saying, well, everything is like it was since mankind came on this earth. And Peter said, excuse me? Do you not remember about that great flood that came when the judgment of God fell on this world? And God's going to come again, and the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but his long-suffering to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but shall all come to repentance. God's promises are still true. The Lord's still coming back, and he told us to hold on until he gets here. Those doctrines that we know about, that we just keep looking up, his redemption draws nigh. God can be trusted to keep his promise. These many years, seniors have been faithful, looking to the promises of God, focusing on that. You understand that they have something to look forward to. 
They don't look on the inside. They don't look around them. They look up. They look to Jesus. And then last but not least, like senior saints, we keep our focus on his proclamation. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Couched in these words, there is a warning, first of all. Four things about this warning. It's an imperative. It it is a command. It is Jesus telling us what we need to know and what we need to do. So many people said, Brother John, I sure would like to know what God wants me to do. Well, here's one of them things God wants you to do. If you have ears to hear, listen what the Spirit is saying to these seven churches and to the church of the open door. Here is what he's saying. It's a general who's giving orders to his troops. There is a warning. And with every warning, there is always a possibility. There is always a probability that there are people who will not listen. You understand that there are some people that will not listen to the warnings that you give out. There's people that just will not listen to you. People that will not listen to God. That's the reason he's giving these warnings. They're just unregenerate. Do not mind the things of the spirit. Do not have spiritual antennas. Do not pay attention to what God is saying. But God is warning them. Like children do their parents, they do not heed what their parents are saying. Secondly, there are those who don't know to listen. So you have to make it a command. There are times when they are just ignorant, and so you have to tell them sometimes what is right, sometimes what is wrong. Tell them where they can go and tell them where they can't go. And they don't know that they're supposed to listen So you get their attention and tell them what is right. And then there are those who don't know who to listen to, so you have to tell them. So many voices that are out there trying to control the minds of people. There are those that are speaking and saying, follow your heart. Well, your heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? They say you follow your conscience. Or your conscience may be that of a mass murderer. You know, your conscience can be seared. You can do some horrible things. It's like they said in the book of Isaiah. There are those that think they're doing good and they're doing evil. And they're calling good evil and evil good. Some people will tell you, well, just follow your dreams. Listen, if you follow my dreams, you'll be having nightmares. Listen, you have to be careful who you're listening to, whose advice you follow and whose advice you swallow. My estimation is CNN. It stands for Communist News Network. Dr. Spock was a fraud and admitted that he did not know anything about child rearing. Back in those days, a lot of kids ought to be spanked instead of spocked. The Bible and DNA is a better test of gender than some sociological experimentalist. It's trying to tell you there's 50 genders out there. There's two genders and there's 48 quacks. You need to listen to the Spirit. 
and what the Spirit is saying, what God is speaking. There's a warning and there's, there's wisdom. You focus on His proclamation. Where do you get His proclamation? You find a church, you be in a church, you applaud a church that proclaims Jesus and the truth of His Word. They're not a dime a dozen. You have landed in a church where you find that there are truths that, that are being proclaimed. And you applaud that church and it proclaims Jesus. It's filled with senior saints that stand by the stuff. We're blessed to have those. We're blessed to have a pastor that preaches the word of God. Doesn't gloss it over. He tells you what the word said. He gives you chapter and verse so you can go home, so you can read it for yourself. It has a wonderful staff. And this church is abounding while others have lost their Bible. They've lost their moorings because they've copied the world instead of the word of God. Most church services are like a, a, a Hollywood production or a performance. They've listened to society instead of the spirit and sailed the ship of Zion into a bunch of rocks and it's run aground and it's sunk. And there's not enough gospel there to save a struggling net unless somebody that's lost and headed to a destiny separated from God for all of eternity in a place that's called hell. The great hunger, the great longing, the great need today is spiritual. And this is the reason that God brought you here today. It's a divine appointment. You didn't just come here by accident. I hope you didn't just come here to hear me preach and to say, God. <laughs> Some of y'all got that. You're here to do business to settle your spiritual needs. For God to give you holy boldness to confront the issues you need to face and deal with. And you need to deal with them today. While as yet today, you harden not your heart. So you can join in the rejoicing of others who are going through the doors that God has opened. And today the door is opened, and it's open for you. Because God says, I have set before you an open door. And God's waiting for you to respond to it. Whatever it is, it might be salvation. Then you'll walk through it. Might be service, something you can do for God. Might be a cleansing to rededicate your heart, your life to the Lord. Zach's going to be here in just a moment. Our pastor, Pastor Zach, he's going to show you how and tell you how it's going to be done. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the blessing that you give to us today. Father, bless Pastor Zach as he gives this invitation, an invitation for you to do something for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ in whose name we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.